0: have you made of uh, the, the back and forth over the last couple of weeks between Tyson Fury and Dylan White, uh, Rick? They've been exploding on each other, so to speak, on social media. Dylan White is obviously mandatory there. We don't know how that situation will play itself out. Uh, but we've spoken about Dylan White many a times, me and you, Rick. But he's yeah. kind of had uh, a lot to say about Tyson Fury and vice versa over the last two weeks. Have you seen much of that?
1: I have seen little bits, you know what I mean? I mean, Tyson's, Tyson's Tyson, you know what I mean, And to be honest. And Dillian, um, it's not Tyson's fault why Dillian has not got its shot. I think it's more politics than than anything, you know what I mean? He, I mean? I mean, let's have it right, Dillian can't, for what Tyson has done since he's, he's come back and, you know, his fights were wilder and that. I don't think Dillian's... Um, having a pop at Tyson, because you can have a pop at Tyson with what he's with what he's done? You know what I mean? But uh, I think it's just a bit of frustration on Dillian's part, which I think Tyson would probably say himself, he totally gets. You know, Dillian seems to have been waiting forever for his shot, and now it looks like, you know, Tyson might be having to do another wilder fight, which means Dillian gets put on a back burner. I think it's just frustration, you know, and it's been funny how, To talk about the spars that they had together, and you know, and and all this, but I mean, it's 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 interesting, and you know, um, but I just think it's frustration. And I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a British fight fan. You know what I mean? You know, I Dillian knocked out my heavyweight Lucas Brown. You know, with a great performance, and that should have been, you know, the um, the springboard that catapulted him, you know, onto the world scene. And I know he's on the world scene, but he's still He's still sat on fucking third base, and he's a the poor, poor sod, you know. But, uh, no, it has been interesting. And um, But I think Dillian needs to keep doing things like that. Tyson won't take offence. Tyson loves all that stuff. But, you know, he needs to air his frustration. Because I think I think we all agree with him.
0: Mm. Do you like the fight, Rick, between Fury and White? What do you think about the I, fight itself? I would rather,
1: no, no disrespect to, to Deontay Wilder. And whatever they've agreed in the contract, they've agreed. and. Nothing we can do about that, but I mean, and this is no disrespect to Deontay Wilder. We saw the first fight where Tyson had hard lines, he should have probably got that at the points. The second fight, he went out there and, and bashed him. Why on God's earth would we want to watch that again? No disrespect intended, but Dylan White, who's you know earned his dues, is a British fighter, he'd be a Brit fight Tyson, a Brit fighting a Brit again, you know. His confidence is... Dillian's confidence is sky high. Tyson's is sky high. That, that's that's the fight for me. But, you know, if a contract has been signed, poor Dillian is going to have to just hold his horses unless something can get sorted out. But I'd rather... No disrespect to T. Wilder. I'd rather see Dillian fight Tyson than the third Wilder fight all day long. I think everyone would.
0: Mm. Um, yeah, it's an interesting situation. And I think... <laughs> if Dylan White was guaranteed the winner of Wilder and Fury 3, I think he could make his peace with that. But where they're trying to make Joshua Fury, it just kind of complicates everything yeah. to where Dylan, Dylan White is. So we'll have yes. to wait and see with that.
1: We'll have to see, unless um, nine times out of ten, which happens in, in these cases, you know, the fighters with all the belts fight each other like Tyson and AJ. You know what? They might agree. From it where they vacate one of the belts, where Dylan can step in and fight it. Which um, Dylan then would get his dream of fighting at the world title. But I think Dylan wants to fight the man. I wanted to fight the man, and I got the chance to fight. Cost you But I mean, Dylan doesn't want to. Probably doesn't want to win his world title by fight winning a vacant title or you know, somebody. Do you know what I mean, Coogan? Because nine times out of ten, they say poor Dylan has been waiting here. Yeah, we'll vacate one of the belts. He can fight for the vacant one. But Dylan, I think, wants to fight he wants to fight Tyson. He wants to fight the best, don't he? So even though he'd get his title shot, you know I, Rick, just had to say I mean that, that's nine times out of ten, what always happens. Cos won the won undisputed title versus Zab Judah, But then he vacated all the belts, so I only fought for the for the IBF. So but I wanted I want to fight the man, you know, so I'm,
0: I'm assuming Rick, that when you're at that level, boxers don't want to win a world title for a vacant title or by email, they want to be the best person in the way, yeah. The
1: man, well, not necessarily the best, the man, yeah, the but man you know, what I mean, they want to the man be who has, the man who has the belt, yeah, you know, you know what I mean, you know, you know, and then all of a sudden, I'm not fighting the man who's got the belt, he's, he's passed it to, to Joe Bloggs, who's just behind him, and I've got to fight him now, you know what I mean. It was like when I won the WBU title, which was like. A small um, a small version of the world the world title if you like. But I won the WBU. Jason Rowland was a WBU champion and I went to fight Jason. But I think his I think his bulldog bit his hand off or something something like that, didn't he? So then I fought the vacant one against Tony Pep. But I didn't feel like I'd won the title. Even though it was the WBU title, I didn't think I'd won the WBU title till I fought till I beat Jason Rowland. Mm. And that's the predicament that Dylan would probably find himself in. Mm. He'd end up fighting for the world title and winning it. But, you know, you want to be the man who beat the man.
0: I think it's going to be a very interesting period for heavyweight. And boxing,
1: don't forget don't
0: forget,
1: don't forget Cougs, it's a bigger payday against Tyson than whoever he fights for the vacant.
0: Absolutely. That's a massive fight. Fury, Fury and that fight is, massive... and at the end of the
1: day, it's why we go pro. To be the best, to win world titles, get the money and provide for your family.
0: Mm. And I absolutely agree. And, absolutely agree so what's your plans for the rest of the day Rick uh,
1: nothing really I've got uh, my son coming round in about uh, half an hour going to do a bit of training with um, with Campbell um, and then nothing just a uh, quiet night put my feet up I mean the lads have all started back in the gym this week which uh, the health and fitness gym isn't open now obviously but I mean for elite athletes which is what professionals are it's how they earn the money so I've been in the gym this week. I've enjoyed getting back to, as I mentioned earlier, a bit of normality. You know what I mean? Going to the gym every day. You know, doing your job, being at work, being able to see family, friends, and then that weekend going for a few sherbets. So I think uh, I'm quite happy where uh, well it is now. I'm seeing my kids. I'm in the gym with the lads. I'm training Campbell. I can go for a pint. I'm going on holiday in a in a few weeks' time. You know, so. Uh, it's, it's good at the minute from where we've come from, but I think we've all just got to be sensible because I think my head would fall clean off my shoulders if another second batch come in and they put us in lockdown again. Oh my God! You know, uh, I think it's for everyone. It would not be worth living, would it? But you know, but life is good. All uh, all good at the minute, mate.
0: Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, listen, I'm not going to take uh, too much more of your time, Rick. I appreciate you talking to us and also all the way through kind of this. Period of uh, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) yeah, we'll we'll call it that. But appreciate your time over that period anyway, Rick. But nobody's nobody's
1: doing any time and uh, all
0: that. Hopefully, we'll catch up again soon, mate. All right,
1: buddy. Good to speak to you, mate.
0: Thank you very much, Ricky Hatton.
1: Nice one, take easy.
0: Thanks, Rick. of uh, the the back and forth over the last couple of weeks between Tyson Fury and Dylan White, Uh, Rick. They've been exploding on each other, so to speak, on social media. Dylan White is obviously mandatory there. We don't know how that situation will play itself out. Uh, But we've spoken about Dylan White many times, me and you, Rick. But he's kind of had uh, a lot to say about Tyson Fury and vice versa over the last two weeks. Have you seen much of that?
1: I have seen little bits, you know what I mean. I mean Tyson's, Tyson's Tyson, you know what I mean. And to be honest, and Dillian, um, it's not Tyson's fault why Dillian has not got its shot. I think it's more politics than than anything, you know. What I mean, he, I mean, I mean, let's have it right. Dillian can't for what Tyson has done since he's he's come back, and you know his fights were Wilder and that. I don't think Dillian's. Um, having a pop at Tyson, because who, who, who can have a pop at Tyson with what he's, with what he's done, you know what I mean? But uh, I think it's just a bit of frustration on Dillian's part, which I think Tyson would probably say himself, he totally gets. You know, Dillian seems to have been waiting forever for his shot, and now it looks like, you know, Tyson might be having to do another wilder fight, which means Dillian gets put on a back burner. I think it's just frustration, you know, and it's been funny how Talk about the spars that they had together, and you know, and and all this. But I mean, it, it's 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 interesting, and you know, um but I just think it's frustration. And I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a British fight fan. You know what I mean? You know, I Dillian knocked out my heavyweight Lucas Brown, you know, with a great performance, and that should have been, you know, the um, the springboard that catapulted him, you know, onto the world scene. And I know he's on the world scene, but he's still He's still sat on fucking third base, and the poor, poor sod, you know. But uh, no, it has been interesting, and um, but I think Dillian needs to keep doing things like that. Tyson won't take offence. Tyson loves all that stuff, but you know, he needs to air his frustration because I think I think we all agree with him.
0: Mm. Do you like the fight, Rick, between Fury and White? What do you think about the I, fight? Itself? I would rather.
1: No, no disrespect to, to Deontay Wilder, and whatever they've agreed in the contract, they've agreed and. Nothing we can do about that But I mean And this is no disrespect To Deontay Wilder We saw the first fight Where Tyson had hard lines He should have probably Got that at the points. The second fight He went out there and, and bashed him Why On God's earth Would we want to watch That again No disrespect intended But Dylan White Who's You know Earned his dues is a British fighter He'd be a Brit fight Tyson A Brit fighting a Brit again You know his confidence is... Dillian's confidence is sky high. Tyson's is sky high. That, that's, that's the fight for me. But, you know, if a contract has been signed, poor Dillian is going to have to just hold his horses unless something can get sorted out. But I'd rather... No disrespect to Deontay Wilder. I'd rather see Dillian fight Tyson than the third Wilder fight all day long. I think everyone would.
2: Mm.
0: Um, yeah, it's an interesting situation. And I think... <laughs> if Dylan White was guaranteed the winner of Wilder and Fury 3, I think he could make his peace with that. But where they're trying to make Joshua Fury, it just kind of complicates everything yeah. to where Dylan, Dylan White is. So we'll have yes. to wait and see with that.
1: We'll have to see, unless um, nine times out of ten, which happens in, in these cases, you know, the fighters with all the belts fight each other like Tyson and AJ. You know what, they might agree somewhere where they vacate one of the belts where Dylan can step in and fight it, which um, Dylan then would get his dream at fighting at the world title. But I think Dylan wants to fight the man. I wanted to fight the man and I got the chance to fight, cost you But I mean, Dylan doesn't want to, probably doesn't want to win his world title by fight winning a vacant title or you know, somebody. Do you know what I mean, Kugan? Because nine times out of ten, they say, Poor Dylan's been waiting here. Yeah, we'll vacate one of the belts. He can fight for the vacant one. But Dylan, I think, wants to fight. He wants to fight Tyson. He wants to fight the best, doesn't he? So even though he would get his title shot, you know, it's good to see. It. I mean, that, that's nine times out of ten, what always happens. Koschecku won the won the undisputed title versus Judder. But then he vacated all the belts, so I only fought for the for the IBF. So, but I wanted I wanted to fight the man, you know. So, I'm
0: I'm assuming. Rick, that when you're at that level, boxers don't want to win a world title for a vacant title or by email, they want to be the best person in the way, yeah. The
1: man, well, not necessarily the best, the man, yeah, but you know what I mean? They want to be the champion, the man who has the belt, yeah, you know, you know what I mean, you know, you know, and then all of a sudden, I'm not fighting the man who's got the belt, he's he's passed it to, to Joe Bloggs, who's just behind him, and I've got to fight him now, you know what I mean? It was like when I won the WBU title, which was like a small um, a small version of the world the world title if you like. But I won the WBU. Jason Rowlands was a WBU champion and I went to fight Jason. But I think he's I think his bulldog bit his hand off or something something like that, didn't he? So then I fought the vacant one against Tony Peck But I didn't feel like I won the title. Even though it was the WBU title, I didn't think I'd won the WBU title till I fought till I beat Jason Rowland. Mm. And that's the predicament that Dylan would probably find himself in. Mm. He'd end up fighting for the world title and winning it, but you know you want to be the man who beat the man.
0: I think it's going to be a very interesting period for heavyweight. And boxing, don't forget, don't forget Coogs.
1: Don't forget Cougs, It's a bigger payday against Tyson than whoever he fights for a vacant.
0: Absolutely, that's a massive fight. Fear, fear and that is, is and at the end of the
1: day, that's why we go pro to be the best, to win world titles, get the money, and provide for your family.
0: Mm. And I absolutely agree. And, absolutely agree. So what's your plans for the rest of the day,
1: Rick? Uh, nothing really. I've got uh, my son coming around in about uh, half an hour going to do a bit of training with, um, with Campbell. Um, and then nothing, just a uh, quiet night, put my feet up. I mean, the lads have all started back in the gym this week, which uh, the health and fitness gym isn't open now, obviously, but I mean, for elite athletes, which is what professionals are, it's how they earn the money. So, I've been in the gym this week. I've enjoyed getting back to, as I mentioned earlier, a bit of normality, you know what I mean? Going to the gym every day, You know, doing your job, being in work, being able to see family, friends, and then that weekend going for a few sherbets. So, I think uh, I'm quite happy where uh, well it is now. I'm seeing my kids. I'm in the gym with the lads. I'm training Campbell. I can go for a fight. I can go on an holiday in a holiday in a few weeks' time, you know. So, uh, it's, it's good at the minute from where we've come from, but I think we've all just got to be sensible because I think my head would fall clean off my shoulders if another second batch come in and they put us in lockdown again. Oh my God! You know, uh, I think it's for everyone. It would not be worth living, would it? But you know, but life is good. All uh, all good at the minute, mate.
0: Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, listen, I'm not going to take uh, too much more of your time, Rick. I appreciate you talking to us and also all the way through kind of this. Period of uh, whatever you Shit. want to call it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll call it that. But appreciate your time over that period anyway, Rick. Nobody's doing any time you all you know that. Hopefully, we'll catch up again soon, mate. All right,
1: buddy. Good to speak to you, mate.
0: Thank you very much, Ricky Hatton.
1: Nice one. Take it easy.
0: Thanks, Rick.
3: Hi there, I'm Danny Flexon, welcome to the latest edition of Seconds Out Expectations, our weekly look ahead into the world of boxing. We're here every Thursday at 4:30pm, and this week we're going to be looking at some news that broke yesterday, although it does relate to events further into the future. Um, Kevin Ioli, a respected US boxing journalist, said he'd had an interview with Bernard Hopkins, living legend, of course, now working for Golden Boy Promotions. And Hopkins suggested to Ioli that John Ryder um, from Islington was likely to get the next shot, if you like, like, at Canelo Alvarez on September the 12th. Um, Been a lot of talk to um, speculation regarding who was going to be next against Canelo. Um, There's been offers that have already gone out. Billy Joe Saunders, of course, walked away from the fight, didn't have enough time to prepare, he said, and also wasn't happy with the pay cut caused in large part by the COVID-19 um, epidemic and ensuing shutdown of boxing for such a long time. Canelo fight is expected to take place behind closed doors. A uh, Few other people who've been in the frame, uh, Sergey Gajdarevyanchenko um, was apparently per, presented with a choice between either fighting Canelo at super middleweight or challenging uh, Jamal Charlo for a WBC belt at middle and he chose the latter, which you can't blame him for, he's a middleweight. Um, and it's probably a more winnable fight for him for not too much less money. Um, in terms of uh, Saunders turning down the cash, it's not as much as you would normally expect for fighting Canelo, especially as Saunders was would have been coming in as a reigning world champion at super middleweight. Um, but we believe there's still around $2 million on offer to whoever fills the spot in the opposite corner to the Mexican superstar. So it's not money to be sniffed at. And we've seen a fair bit of criticism after Ryder was pegged as the front runner by a B-hop. Um, a lot of people saying it's a mismatch, we'd rather see Canelo gets the top fighter. Listen, in an ideal world, Canelo would be fighting Golovkin in a third fight, he'd be fighting Demetrius Andrade, he'd be fighting a Charlo, uh, Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders, sure. But with the money on offer, with the constraints around the pandemic, the ensuing shutdown, the fact the fight won't generate the type of live gate that Canelo usually does for fun, you've got to look at who's available for that price point and who's the best out of those there. And for me, I'm more than happy to make the case that John Ryder, and not just because I like him, not just because he's from London, but I'm happy to make the case that the people that were in line for the fight were being talked about, he is by far the outstanding candidate. So let's go through some of the other people first that were talked about. One was Anthony Durrell, former world champion at Super Middleweight, so there's credentials there. But he is, I think, 35 years old now, um, and also coming off a knockout defeat to another world champion at Super Middle, in David Benavides. So any opponent coming off a knockout loss isn't the greatest uh, form form line if you like and also the fact that he is getting up there in years, his best days are probably behind him back when he reigned as world champion. Um, another name mentioned was David Lemieux, um, we've come back to him quite a lot over this period, uh, exciting aggressive fighter, style wise probably well suited to Canelo. Only been up at super middleweight for one fight. More of a natural middleweight, so he'll probably be outsized against Canelo as well. And in that super middleweight debut against Max Bursak, he was dropped a couple of times. Did win the fight, but was dropped a couple of times. Looked in trouble on various occasions. So not coming off a, an outstanding performance. And I think still fresh in the memory is Billy Joe Saunders absolutely dominating him a few years ago. So again, far from ideal. Another two that I saw mentioned were Toriano Johnson, and uh, Jason Quigley, who fought in a grueling fight that was won on uh, stoppage in the end by Johnson uh, maybe a year and a half ago now, I'd have to check. Quigley's come back with a couple of good wins, but only against undemanding opposition. Don't think he's quite earned that Canelo fight just yet. Um, and as for Turiano Johnson, yeah, it was a really good win over Quigley. His name value's not incredibly high. He has lost in the past. I think he's 36 now as well. Um, Probably more of a high risk, low reward fight there. And then you look at Ryder, who is admittedly coming off a defeat, albeit a very contentious one, for a world title against a lot of people's picks for the consensus number one at Super Middleweight in Callum Smith, WBA champion, Ring Magazine belt holder. Now, I had Ryder winning that fight, I think by a point. Some people had it going the other way. I respect both points of view. It was definitely a fight that could have gone either way. Um, John Ryder did absolutely prove that he belonged at world-class at 168 pounds. He's been there for a while, he is a former middleweight, but he's been up at Supermiddle for a number of years now. Certainly more than natural middleweights in the likes of Toriano Johnson, Jason Quigley, David Lemieux. Um, And unlike uh, Anthony Durrell, his prime should be around now. He's 31 years old, he was on a great run of form going into the Callum Smith fight. He'd won four in a row, all inside schedule against decent opposition. Um, It hasn't been stopped for about five years, and that was down at middleweight. He's really turned his career around, improved in a great gym under Tony Sims, and pushed Callum Smith all the way, whatever you think of the result. I think I looked earlier, and it's like his last three opponents were all unbeaten going into the fights, and the two before that only had one loss apiece. So he's been mixing with hungry, um, promising fighters, and getting him out of there for a large fight, except for Smith, who he still was deemed unlucky by a lot of people not to defeat on the cards. Um, Yeah, in his physical prime now at 31, probably on his hottest run of form in his career so far, desperately wants to fight, been calling for it. Um, You know that he will give it his absolute all. Style-wise, maybe not the most awkward style, however, not necessarily one that Canelo's seen much of before. You know, Canelo's great at adapting, he's, a, he's an elite level fighter. However, John Ryder is a compact, aggressive southpaw. You don't see too many of those. Um, he knows how to use his size or lack of size to his advantage. He knows how to get inside, work the body well. And he's quite cunning and smart. He's, he's a veteran, a young veteran. And he's got a lot of tricks of the trade that may serve to unsettle Canelo. I think the issue he might have is that Canelo will be the bigger man, as well as being you know incredibly skilled and talented. But he will give it his all. I don't think he'll get blown out in a couple of rounds. I know one criticism a lot of people have said is, well, look at what Canelo did to Rocky Fielding and uh, Ryder's last defeat was against Rocky Fielding. Let me just tell you, that was an awful fight. Um, Decision could have gone either way, but it was just a tedious, laborious affair. Lots of wrestling and grappling. And Ryder was still kind of getting acclimatised to that super middleweight division. He wasn't necessarily a full super middleweight at that point. And his styles as well. You know, Fielding's aggressive, he's got those long levers but leaves himself open to the body and what Canelo did to him wasn't a huge surprise. Ryder's a lot more compact, a lot more defensively responsible while also making his own shots count um, and the form he's going into the fight in is the best of his career, although so was Fielding's of course. I think his style makes him a better match up um, to Canelo than Fielding was um, and I think he'll be a really, really interesting fight. I don't think you know, if I had to pick right now, obviously I'd pick Canelo, and I don't think Ryder would hate me for doing so. But I give him more of a chance than any of the other names that were on that short list. Um, we're not going to get Derevianchenko or Golovkin or Saunders at this stage. Um, but out of everyone else, Ryder, for me, um, at this time, September the twelfth, is streets ahead of Quigley, Johnson, Lemieux, Durrell. So I think we should be grateful instead of panning it as a potential mismatch. Be grateful that someone was willing to step in at this notice to take the money that was on offer in compromised circumstances to allow us to see Canelo, huge attraction, um, back in the ring and also someone that is going to give it absolutely their all, someone who's not going to fold after the first decent body shot he takes, someone who's going to go out on his shield or take it the distance and you know, will go in with a real belief that he can win the fight, whether you agree with that or not. Um, But that's what I think anyway. I'd like to know what you guys think. Let me know in the comments below and I'll respond to some of them. Um, I'll be back on Monday for Reflections, 4.30pm and next week Thursday for the next Flexpectations. As always, really appreciate your time and I'll see you all soon. Cheers. Hi there, I'm Danny Flexon. Welcome to the latest edition of Seconds Out Expectations, our weekly look ahead into the world of boxing. We're here every Thursday at 4.30pm and this week we're going to be looking at some news that broke yesterday, although it does relate to events further into the future. Um, Kevin Ioli, a respected US boxing journalist, said he'd had an interview with Bernard Hopkins, living legend of course, now working for Golden Boy Promotions. And Hopkins suggested to Ioli that John Ryder um, from Islington was likely to get the next shot, if you like, like, at Canelo Alvarez on September the 12th. Um, Been a lot of talk to um, speculation regarding who was going to be next against Canelo. Um, There's been offers that have already gone out. Billy Joe Saunders, of course, walked away from the fight, didn't have enough time to prepare, he said, and also wasn't happy with the pay cut. Caused in large part by the COVID-19 epidemic and ensuing shutdown of boxing for such a long time. Canelo fight is expected to take place behind closed doors. A few other people who've been in the frame. uh, Sergei Derevyanchenko was apparently presented with a choice between either fighting Canelo at super middleweight or challenging uh, Jamal Charlo for a WBC belt at middle. And he chose the latter, which you can't blame him for. He's a middleweight. Um, and it's probably a more winnable fight for him for not too much less money. Um, in terms of uh, Saunders turning down the cash, it's not as much as you would normally expect for fighting Canelo, especially as Saunders was would have been coming in as a reigning world champion at super middleweight. Um, but we believe there's still around $2 million on offer to whoever fills the spot in the opposite corner to the Mexican superstar. So it's not money to be sniffed at. And we've seen a fair bit of criticism after Ryder was pegged as the front runner by a B-hop, um, a lot of people saying it's a mismatch, we'd rather see Canelo gets the top fighter. Listen, in an ideal world, Canelo would be fighting Golovkin in a third fight, he'd be fighting Demetrius Andrade, he'd be fighting Charlo, uh, Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders, sure. But with the money on offer, with the constraints around the pandemic, the ensuing shutdown, the fact the fight won't generate the type of live gate that Canelo usually does for fun, you've got to look at who's available for that price point and who's the best out of those there. And for me, I'm more than happy to make the case that John Ryder, and not just because I like him, not just because he's from London, but I'm happy to make the case that the people that were in line for the fight were being talked about, he is by far the outstanding candidate. So let's go through some of the other people first that were talked about. One was Anthony Durrell, former world champion at super middleweight, so there's credentials there. But he is, I think, 35 years old now, um, and also coming off a knockout defeat to another world champion at super middle in David Benavides. So any opponent coming off a knockout loss isn't the greatest uh, form, form line if you like and also the fact that he is getting up there in years his best days are probably behind him back when he reigned as a world champion. Um, another name mentioned was David Lemieux um, we've come back to him quite a lot over this period. Uh, exciting aggressive fighter style wise probably well suited to Canelo only been up at super middleweight for one fight more of a natural middleweight so he'll probably be outsized against Canelo as well and in that super middleweight debut against Max Bursack, he was dropped a couple of times did win the fight but was dropped a couple of times looked in trouble on various occasions so not coming off a, an outstanding performance and I think still fresh in the memory is Billy Joe Saunders absolutely dominating him a few years ago so again far from ideal. Another two that I saw mentioned were Turiano Johnson and uh, Jason Quigley, who fought in a grueling fight that was won on uh, stoppage in the end by Johnson uh, maybe a year and a half ago now, I'd have to check. Quigley's come back with a couple of good wins, but only against undemanding opposition. Don't think he's quite earned that Canelo fight just yet. Um, and as for Turiano Johnson, yeah, it was a really good win over Quigley. His name value's not incredibly high. He has lost in the past. I think he's 36 now as well. Um, probably more of a high risk, low reward fight there. And then you look at Ryder, who is admittedly coming off a defeat, albeit a very contentious one, for a world title against a lot of people's picks for the consensus number one at super middleweight in Callum Smith, WBA champion, ring magazine belt holder. Now, I had Ryder winning that fight, I think by a point. Some people had it going the other way. I respect both points of view. It was definitely a fight that could have gone either way. Um, John Ryder did absolutely prove that he belonged at world-class at 168 pounds. He's been there for a while, he is a former middleweight but he's been up at Super Middle for a number of years now, certainly more than natural middleweights in the likes of Toriano Johnson, Jason Quigley, David Lemieux Um, and unlike uh, Anthony Durrell, his prime should be around now. He's 31 years old, he was on a great run of form going into the Callum Smith fight He'd won four in a row, all inside schedule against decent opposition. Um, It hasn't been stopped for about five years and that was down at middleweight. He's really turned his career around, improved in a great gym under Tony Sims and pushed Callum Smith all the way, whatever you think of the result. I think I looked earlier and it's like his last three opponents were all unbeaten going into the fights and the two before that only had one loss apiece. So he's been mixing with hungry, um, promising fighters and getting him out of there for a large fight, except for Smith, who he still was deemed unlucky by a lot of people not to defeat on the cards. Um, Yeah, in his physical prime now at 31, probably on his hottest run of form in his career so far, desperately wants to fight, been calling for it. Um, You know that he will give it his absolute all. Style-wise, maybe not the most awkward style, however, not necessarily one that Canelo's seen much of before. You know, Canelo's great at adapting, he's a, he's an elite level fighter, however, John Ryder is a compact, aggressive southpaw. You don't see too many of those. Um, he knows how to use his size or lack of size to his advantage, he knows how to get inside, work the body well, and he's quite cunning and smart. He's, he's a veteran, a young veteran, and he's got a lot of tricks of the trade that may serve to unsettle Canelo. I think the issue he might have is that Canelo will be the bigger man, as well as being, you know, incredibly skilled and talented. But he will give it his all. I don't think he'll get blown out in a couple of rounds. I know one criticism a lot of people have said is, well, look at what Canelo did to Rocky Fielding and uh, Ryder's last defeat was against Rocky Fielding. Let me just tell you, that was an awful fight. Um, Decision could have gone either way, but it was just a tedious, laborious affair. Lots of wrestling and grappling. And Ryder was still kind of getting acclimatised to that super middleweight division. He wasn't necessarily a full super middleweight at that point. And his styles as well... You know, Fielding's aggressive, he's got those long levers but leaves himself open to the body and what Canelo did to him wasn't a huge surprise. Ryder's a lot more compact, a lot more defensively responsible while also making his own shots count um, and the form he's going into the fight in is the best of his career, although so was Fielding's of course. I think his style makes him a better matchup up um, to Canelo than Fielding was um, and I think it will be a really, really interesting fight. I don't think you know, if I had to pick right now, obviously I'd pick Canelo and I don't think Ryder would hate me for doing so. But I give him more of a chance than any of the other names that are on that short list. Um we're not going to get Derevianchenko or Golovkin or Saunders at this stage. Um but out of everyone else, Ryder for me, um at this time, September the twelfth, is streets ahead of Quigley, Johnson, Lemieux, Durrell. So I think we should be grateful, instead of panning it as a potential mismatch, be grateful that someone was willing to step in at this notice to take the money that was on offer in compromised circumstances to allow us to see Canelo, huge attraction, um, back in the ring and also someone that is going to give it absolutely their all, someone who's not going to fold after the first decent body shot he takes, someone who's going to go out on his shield or take it the distance and you know will go in with a real belief that he can win the fight, whether you agree with that or not. Um, But that's what I think anyway, I'd like to know what you guys think, let me know in the comments below and I'll respond to some of them. Um, I'll be back on Monday for Reflections, 4.30pm, and next week, Thursday, for the next Flexpectations. As always, really appreciate your time, and I'll see you all soon. Cheers.
4: Well, welcome everybody to, I guess, an e-press conference. I was just saying
5: it's fantastic to do a press conference with a hat on, a t-shirt, ahead of a very special fight, the Undisputed Welterweight Women's World Championship between Cecilia Brackhouse and Jessica McCaskill. Firstly, welcome, ladies. Um, This fight's been a long time coming, April 17th, first time (laughs) round. I have to say, respect to both of you because I know you kept your head down you're, you're meticulous athletes anyway. You trained hard. Firstly, Cecilia, great that this fight is one of the first fights back for Matrim and dazone in America. You girls going to be kicking things off in style.
6: Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm very, I feel great doing that, uh, knowing that we both have been in camp and we both be the ver- best version of ourselves. And uh, So, um, I think it's one of the best fights uh, match we could open up uh, with in state.
5: Jessica, we know you and Rick Ramos always staying ready. You know, you've got one of the, the best work ethics out there. Nothing really changed too much for you, I guess, the first few weeks, maybe at home a little bit more. But the gym remained open, body shot boxing, and going to be very well prepared for this challenge.
2: Yes, um, the gym has actually been my home. Um, I'm here now at the gym. I work from the gym. I train from the gym. So it's just been my second home. And like you said, nothing has changed um, from getting ready for, for April 17th to now getting ready for August 15th. So this is going to be great for the fight fans. Everybody's looking for the next fight to come on. And I'm just proud to be part of uh, what, what's going to happen in April. I'm sorry, uh, August
5: 15th. Cecilia, obviously people talking about the, the women's uh, side of the game absolutely on fire. You know, we was delighted to make the Delphine Passoon Katie Taylor rematch this fight for me is one of the best fights in boxing as well. I guess you're probably a little bit bored of answering that same old question about women's boxing. Oh, you know, it's going so well. So I'm going to stay away from that. But I want to talk to you about the challenges that Jessica McCaskill brings. You know, I remember her flying over to London to fight Katie Taylor. She gave us all a fright that night. You know, she kept on coming incredibly strong, move up to 140, become unified there as well. She's really established herself as as one of the top pound-for-pound fighters in the sport as well.
6: Oh, definitely. I mean, the fight with Katie Taylor was—you uh, know—that was a big surprise for us all. Um, she just, uh, she just came into the to the boxing scene, and she was, uh, she just proved that she belonged uh, in the very top. And then she fought uh, Farias, who is a really tough opponent, who I also fought too in uh, in my hometown Bergen in Norway, and uh, and that really impressed me a lot. So uh, I, I think. Uh, Um this is the best fight uh, I could get right now. And I love to hear that she's been training all the time. I love to hear that she's been in the gym, because I want to be the best version of uh, Mikalski there is.
5: Jessica, moving up through the divisions, obviously I know when you moved to 140, it wasn't necessarily that you felt that you couldn't make 35 anymore, but obviously the opportunity came up for you to fight for the world title in your hometown. You are creeping up another couple of pounds, now, how have you felt in that transition? And do you think now you've really grown into that, that strong 140-pounder as, you know, originally you were fine at 35, a bit skeptical, but now you've looked strong in those fights as well. And how have you found that transition moving up the weights?
2: The transition hasn't been an issue at all. What a lot of people don't know is in my amateur career, I started out at 52, and then I moved down to 145, 142-ish. So fighting 135, that was the first time I had fought out that weight and it was as a professional. And so just creeping back and forth between 35, 45, it's not an issue, and it just gives me an opportunity to... Um, kind of switch up my training and and maybe work on a few other things um, that I can do with that weight. But the transition is not an issue.
5: A lot of these fights you've been involved with, Jessica, you've used that sort of relentless uh, style to grind down opponents and outwork them. Do you think you have to be a little bit more cute in this fight? I know you're going to look to put pressure on Cecilia from the first bell as well, but we know she's technically very, very sound as well. Is the plan the same old Jessica McCaskill? I know you're not going to give too much away, but is it is it to turn this into to a rough fight? You know, it's going to be a strange environment, guys, isn't it? You know, we're going to be in Tulsa. We're going to be out on the street. You're going to have the skyscrapers all around you. We know we're not going to have a crowd. It's just going to be you two in there for, you know, one of the biggest fights of your career so far. So, Jessica, is it, is it about just just pushing Cecilia all the way and using what you we've become accustomed to watch through Jessica McCaskill, which is that non-stop star?
2: I think it's more about using all of the skills that I've been able to um, curate over the last couple of months and even the last couple of years. The things that I've learned ever since the Katie fight and, and fighting for world titles. There's so much that you learn in each one of those fights because it's just a different level of fighting each time. And so it's, I don't have just one style of boxing. I have multiple styles and we're able to switch them on and off as needed. And that's what's going to happen for this fight.
5: When we talk about boxing, you know, behind closed doors, so to speak, even though you're going to be outside, Cecilia, how much do you think that changes everything? I keep asking fighters all the time about this. Your last fight was in Monaco, and you know, that's a very VIP event, isn't it? I think there's like 400 people in the casino as well. So, might have been a good transition for you moving from the big crowds that you're used to, you know, fighting in front of to a smaller crowd. Do you think that, you know, the the answer that most boxers give is no, you know, when the bell rings, you switch on and the punches start flying and, and the focus is there. Is that how you feel as well? Or do you think it's gonna be a challenge for some people to adapt to this new environment?
6: Well, I think um, the professionals will just uh, will adapt and the best fighters will adapt. That is why they are uh, where they are. And, you know, When I go in a ring, I just focus on um, the ring and my opponent and nothing else. So of course it will be different, but um, I I have uh, I've been experienced a lot of uh, weird stuff through my career. Uh, it's been uh, many years now, so I, I honestly think I have uh, uh, I have experienced uh, everything. And and this I don't see this should be an issue at all. I'm there to just do a job, and and uh, that's it. That's where my focus is.
5: I know both of, of you ladies. Focused on this fight, but I can't help but ask you about the fight that a lot of people are talking about, which is the winner of your fight against the winner of Taylor against Passoon. It's a natural fight, the undisputed lightweight champion against the undisputed welterweight champion as well. Firstly, Jessica, get your thoughts on that fight. You know, a lot of people felt that that fight could have gone either way at Madison Square Garden last time out. We're all over a year on from that last fight. Do you expect Katie Taylor? to come through that fight against Delphine Persoon, or do you expect another grueling battle for her?
2: I expect another grueling battle. I was actually there for that fight and got to watch it firsthand. And like you said, there were a lot of exchanges back and forth and back and forth, and just the way that Persoon has, has always presented herself as a fighter, just very nonstop, and um, kind of like you said, a brutal fighter. She'll take punches just to give her punches and just to, to hunt Katie down, and Katie being, you know, fast punches and moving and, and trying to be elusive, but also wanting to show a different side of her fighting, which is to be that same kind of relentless fighter. I think they're going to go at it. I think they're going to go head to head, just like the first time and the best of woman will win.
5: Cecilia, I know that obviously you've got to get past Jessica McCaskill, but the Katie Taylor fight, one that you want badly. And I think one that a lot of people have talked about in boxing, but a tough night for her um, just a, a week after you guys get in the ring. It's going to be two great weeks for women's boxing, Breckhouse against McCaskill and another great one in Taylor Passoon.
2: Yeah, three
6: great weeks. Uh, you don't forget Terry, Terry Harper, Harper. against
5: Natasha Jonas, for sure. <laughs> but you expect um, another great fight in Taylor Passoon.
6: I think um, I have to disagree a little bit with uh, Jessica here because I think Katie was a little bit surprised over the strength and, uh, and the momentum uh, of uh, Delphine. I think she will adjust and um, it will still be a close fight. I think it will be a very hard fight, but I think this time Katie will come uh, better prepared.
5: I like the fact that you've mentioned uh, Harper against Jonas as well, because you know, these two fights there are, are major, major fights. But over here, there's a lot of momentum with Terry Harper as well. I think she looks like an outstanding fighter, of course. Natasha Jonas, a former Olympian and a medalist as well, got beaten. Surprisingly, by Vivian Obenov, but has come back for a shot at the world title as well. Have you been impressed, Cecilia, with Terry Harper as well?
6: I'm very impressed, and uh, I'm so looking forward to this fight because I had um, I had maybe Terry for uh, you know she's just she just trains like a beast, and she's just uh, such a physical uh, a specimen. But Natasha Jones, she's she um, she's she something. She's just born with something. She just had that has that uh, special I don't know what to say that God given thing (laughs) and uh, I think this fight will be um, very very interesting and and extremely entertaining to watch so I am very excited for that fight
5: you know I really feel that I know we always harp on when we speak to you guys about women's boxing but I think it's such a pivotal time because right now more than ever we need to give great entertainment to fans and broadcasters and it seems like from my point of view as a promoter, it's so much easier to make big women's fights than it is big men's fights, you know? And it's not even about the money. It's just about the desire. And it seems that we never I never really get a no. Do you know what I mean? In terms of matching mm-hmm. fights. Like, you know, I said to you, Cecilia, you know, Jessica McCaskill, yeah, no problem. Jess, like, do you want to move up and fight for the undisputed chair? Yeah. You know, we've got to sort out the contracts and the money, but it's always... You know, it's always, yes, yes. You know, the Natasha Jonas, do you want to fight an all-British fight for the world title? Katie Taylor was supposed to fight Serrano. That fell through. Seven weeks out, would you fight Pursuit if I could make it? Yes. You know, and it's just, it's, it's so refreshing to see that. You know, I think, I, I, I really feel that at the moment, if, 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 the, if the politics keep eking in to men's boxing, women's boxing just has the potential whilst these fights are getting made to just keep on rising. So right. Well,
6: We just needed someone who uh, believed in promoting us, believed in uh, putting all the strength behind uh, both when it comes to promotion, when it comes to um, a platform to get shown. You know, we have been waiting for this hundreds of years, so we are not going to say no to a fight. And uh, we are tough because what you go through as a female in this sport,
2: (laughs) yeah. So, and the, the fighters are doing such a good job because I'm hearing people ask me some of these same questions that you're asking, Eddie, whether it's like, are you, are you a fan of Natasha Jones? Or what do you think about Terry Harper? They bring in their, their fandom. And so it's really good to see that these other female boxers are creating a fan base and creating desire to see female boxing.
5: So I'm going to ask you just one more question about the fight itself. Obviously, you both back yourself to win the fight. But firstly, Jessica, I asked you earlier about that relentless sort of work ethic and strategy in the fight as well. How do you see this fight playing out? And do you just feel that it's the right timing for you to become? And, and, you know, I'm proud of what you've done, Jess, because, you know, you came over, you boxed Katie Taylor, you won a world title at 140. This is kind of different stuff. You know, Cecilia Breakhouse is a legend of the sport. This is the undisputed welterweight world, world championship. Massive opportunity for you. You're fully confident you get the job done August 15th in Tulsa.
2: Yes, fully confident. And if, if not now, when? So there's like what we said earlier, there's no backing down. There's no no's. There's just hard training and putting it all in the ring.
5: Cecilia, pressure on you. You are the slight favorite going into this fight. You're defending your throne, your crown, not just the first lady, but of course, the undisputed champion as well. You believe you got the the goods to come good in Tulsa on August the 15th. I know you know you're in for a tough fight, but fully confident ahead of this fight.
6: I will get my win number 37. So I'm very confident. I am actually being up here in big Bear for so many months. It's just gave me another life in boxing. Before I always been on meetings. I've been on phones, on emails. I've been flying back and forth from uh la norway norway la and now i've just been able to for months to just completely 100 percent focus on my boxing and uh, i just um i'm in the best shape I-, I can't remember the last time i've been in this uh this shape so i am uh, i'm very confident and i cannot wait for uh for uh, august 15 and like i said i want jessica to be in the best shape because that's the jessica i want to beat
5: well, we know she will be. And I'm gotta be honest, I'm bored of zooms. I mean, how many zooms have we done during this lockdown? You know, it's time to start fighting. Yeah. <laughs> Back in action, August fifteenth, live on the zone from Tulsa. Guys, mass- massive respect to you guys. It's a pleasure working with you. Two great fighters. It's gonna be a great fight, August fifteenth, live on the zone from Tulsa. The undisputed World to Weight Championship of the World. Do not miss it.
7: Oscar Bevis for AFL TV in association with MTK Global. I'm here at the Matchroom Elite Boxing Gym. John Ryder, if someone would have said to you, right, that when we were in the change room in November after your defeat to Callum in Liverpool, we would be in the situation we are now and you could potentially be on the verge of the biggest fight in boxing, what would you have said?
4: Mate, I, I thought the biggest fight in boxing at the time was Darren Barker and you because you upset upsetting that night, didn't you? But, um, mate, what a, what, a, what a difference this year has been. I mean, obviously, Back in November, a disappointment that night. Um, started off 2020 with all the intentions of it being the best year yet, 2020 vision and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, yeah, coronavirus comes along and messes it all up. But, yeah, light into the tunnel and I'm talking about fighting the biggest name in boxing.
7: Just over your last couple of months, actually, because we spoke quite early on in lockdown, um, you were still banging on about wanting to fight, Canada kind of wanting to fight, you know, Billy Joe rematch, wanting all these names. Um, but how was your actual lockdown time to think away from boxing as well? And perhaps when you were training, time to work on new stuff?
4: Uh, firstly, it was great to so have time with the missus and the kids. Um, time that I miss out on normally being in camp and being away. Um, but yeah, nice time to reflect, let the let the niggles heal up, get concentrating on a bit of running, bit of strength work at home, bit of cycling, just really change things up. Appreciate the family time and the time over them. Um, just nice, yeah, sit back. Tony was putting fights in the group chat every night to study and, and look over, so that was good, a bit of a bit of homework but yeah I think um we all know now that the fights are going to be a lot more evenly matched and there's going to be a lot of hard fights being made and we don't really get in the walkover fights that, that people was getting in the past so it's a good type of boxing.
7: And although it's been like one of the most negative times of the last however many years of obviously the amount of deaths in this country you you've got to put a positive spin on things at times and it seems like like I said you uh, just inches away from a from the canelo fight we might as well do a timeline of, of events so originally it looked like billy joe was nailed on um billy joe come out and said look i'm not ready i haven't got the time to prepare the right sparring etc what was the first thoughts in your head when you saw billy say that look i'm not ready for canelo to take the fight in september october well i hadn't really seen
4: it tony tony texted me and said like i don't think billy joe's gonna have the fight with canelo like just tweet and put your name in the mix you, you never know and i mean i, I did it i uh, tried to keep it respectful and and classy and just, I mean, I've got nothing against Keno, he's a great fighter, but I, I, that's a fight I want. But um, yeah, I mean, the tweet really took off, got the thunder of attention. And then, yeah, like you say, six months ago, we wouldn't have been talking about this fight, but one tweet has changed it and now we are.
7: Right, rearranging to make John look even better than he is before. Um, see, obviously, Tony told you that, you know, Billy said that he wouldn't be available for the fight. And then you put that tweet out. When I saw that tweet, I thought, you know, just... Trying to get your name in the mix and that, but was it actually put out with the intention that look, uh, the intention sorry that look, Canelo might see this, um, Eddie Reynosa might see this, and it, it might gain some proper traction. Uh,
4: yeah, I mean it was more like I think people think it was a tiny in cheek comment, but listen, like you got you got to put your name in the mix. There's been bundles of names being thrown around. He's training for a Southpaw and Billy Joe, so I mean surely that on the Southpaw as well, it makes sense to to continue to keep the same sparring in and, and carry on. So fingers crossed. I mean it's gone a bit quiet, but I'm, I'm hoping that. In the coming days, weeks, we'll, we'll get some news.
7: One thing I hear a lot as well is the gate receipt's not going to be the same. Um, you know, it's probably going to be a smaller fight person. Perhaps because you're not a world champion and the likes of Billy Joe and Kalamar, that you should be jumping at this fight. But is that really the case? It's not as if you're selling yourself short. It's still the biggest fight in boxing. But do you know where I'm coming from? Like, the reason you should get it is because there's going to be a smaller purse or no gate receipts.
4: Yeah, no, I get it because there was obviously back and forth with with Callum and Billy Joe trying to sort out the the purses and obviously they they agreed to what they agreed to so for a world champion going into the fight they obviously feel they're entitled to that money and rightly so but I'm not taking a a belt into that fight I feel like I should be but I'm not but yes obviously I've got to expect a lower lower share of the money but at the end of the day I've still got to get paid and and not do it for nothing
7: Despite the fact and you know you won't mind me saying this there was a bit of tension afterwards the post-Callum Smith fight and can you sort of Confirm now, or can you say 100% that Eddie's busting his bollocks to get you this fight now with Canelo? I
4: don't know. I mean, he's he's got a foot in both camps, didn't he? I mean, he's he's fighting Michael, and he's also fighting Callum's corner. So, I mean, I'm I'm sure that if it's not me, then he will be seeing Callum's praises. But hopefully, one of us get the fight. Um, Like I say, he's the biggest fight in in, in boxing at at the moment. He's the biggest name. So, I hope it's a Brit that gets it. And if it's not myself, then then why not Callum?
7: You have been doing sort of. Your, I'll say your own promotion, you've been wearing the Canelo shirt which you saw on Instagram and you've got, what's the hashtag again? The hashtag with the crown at the end? Wait, I can't even Hashtag chasing the crown. Hashtag, hashtag chasing, chasing the, the crown. crown, yeah. So you're sort of doing your own uh, little promotion trying to push for it, but can you tell us any formal talks that have been had between, I not know, Eddie or that Tony's got involved in?
4: I've got to give Charlie Sims credit for the uh, hashtag chasing the crown. Um, not so I can't myself. Um, no, I know Eddie. Eddie made contact and said like, riders available blah, blah, and I think think that's pretty much as far as it's gone. But my name's been in the hat. There was a tweet yesterday about Bernard Hopkins saying it looked like it was going to be me. So that got a lot of excitement. Um, But for me, I think I just see it as a bit like a smokescreen. They might might say it's me, then come out with someone completely different. So just see how it goes and and just bide my time, really.
7: Yeah, because there were some journalists as well over in the States who were um, saying that, Basically, I imagine it's based off what Bernard Hopkins said, that... It looks like you're going to be the man for Canelo, and uh, because of the way Canelo seems to pick his opponents, is it sort of like you expect Twitter to know before you do? Like you hear all these announcements, but you're sort of still in the same place mentally.
4: Yeah, I mean it's hard not to get excited, and I mean people say you must be buzzing. Like you looks like you're going to get Canelo fired. but no, until it's like signed and, and agreed, then it's not really happening. Do you know what I mean? And until I'm in the opposite corner, I probably won't believe it myself.
7: Are you training in there as if? Because you know, I walked in and. I said this to um, Felix as well, when I walked into the gym in January, when I come here, you sort of were training and ticking over and that. But I walked in, you seem like you've got a different bounce about you, smile on your face, training hard. Are you training for Canelo or...?
4: Uh, at, at the moment, yeah. I mean, that's the only opponent we've got in mind at the moment. So yeah, I mean, the fight comes off, we're ready and we're ready to go. You see Tony working on things in the end there. But um, listen, I've got no, I've got no opponent as of yet. And in January, I was purely just ticking over, getting ready. But um, Yeah I'm just going to take it as it comes and until I know any different then I'll I'll start taking the foot off the gas if, if the bait gets pushed back or I'm looking at another opponent but I want to be ready for September 12th if it does come off.
7: And obviously the whole behind closed doors situation which makes a fight completely different in the aspects of coaching as well. I'm going to speak to Tony about this in a sec you know the Canelo fight you're going to have to have a game plan so many different tactics and you're going to have to employ that spot on but with Tony shouting from one corner any Reynoso shouting from the other corner, does it give a different feel to the fight? As if you were going to have it in front of, I don't know, 15,000 people in Vegas?
4: Yeah, it might be a bit clearer because obviously Reynoso will be shouting in Spanish, Tony will be doing a bit of English, so we'll know the instructions for at least. But um, yeah, no, it, might, it will be a real real weird feeling. Um, hopefully by September, you don't know, things might change and you might be able to have a, a lower capacity crowd, more, more distance in place, that'd be that'd be nice. But. Um, so I know the Mexicans love a, a good fight so as long as they're putting on a good fight I don't think they really care who's winning so fingers crossed but yeah I mean if he's behind closed doors then so be it.
7: And how do you beat Canelo? That's like such a I know that's such an out there question it just throw at you how do you beat Canelo but there's obviously something that's crossed your mind.
4: Well I think you do to Canelo what Canelo does to everyone else I mean you, you try and get on the back foot with him and he's hes just throwing the, the big long shots and he's catching it on the on the side of the head and he, he can, can really punch but I feel like you see what Golovkin done in the first fight, he stood there and he, he, he traded with him and he was sensible, he's in front of him on his chest, I think. That is the way to beat him, you've got to rock and roll with him in there a bit, you've got to you slip move, do what he does to the opponent, slip and move. Um, I feel that I like it up a bit more close than he does, he likes to, to work away at range a bit more and, and, and pot shot, so I think you've just got to stay busy with him but, but not get careless, don't get reckless because with him it only takes one shot to turn a fight on his head.
7: How key is it the fact that you've got the boys in there that you can all jump in, do rounds together? Because obviously, like Billy Joe said, he hasn't got the adequate sparring he feels to prepare for Canelo. But you've got boys in there that you can jump in and do three, six, twelve rounds
4: with. That's it. We was, I mean, we were just saying, like, who do you get to spar to replicate Canelo? And it's, I mean, it's, it's really hard. I mean, we've got Ted in there, we've got Felix. Felix is probably a bit tall. Ted's probably ideal height, um, but he's a lot lighter. But I mean, it's more about just getting the shape of someone and, and getting the rounds in and... I mean, you know, we're really, truly going to get someone to replicate a Star you? So, just getting getting yourself in peak pump condition, getting yourself ready, and just and just staying staying well.
7: And just before I let you go, where do we go from here? So, finish training, you'll go home. Just same again until you hear something, or you know, do you drop Eddie a message and say, let me know what's going on?
4: No, I mean, you know I just leave Eddie to it. Just see so he's, uh, he's cracking, and I know Tony will be on his case and Charlie. So, I don't want to be the falling on his side, driving him mad. I mean, we're all. But at the end of the day, we all go into our families and want we'll to enjoy a bit of family time, so let, let him have his family time. But yeah, I mean, I was going to pop in there today, but sessions didn't work out. So, I mean, early next week, I'll probably pop in the office and see see what's going on. Try and bag some free t-shirts.
7: Can you bag me one? I'll try. And can I have a Canelo one as well?
4: Well, we'll see if, we're,
7: if we go out today. We'll Why not? Let's have it out in Vegas. John, thanks for speaking to me, obviously. Like I said, continue the training and whatever news we hear. Fingers crossed from your perspective that it's Canelo.
4: Yeah, hoping so, praying. I mean, I just want the biggest and best names in boxing, and I mean, I've fought two of the best in this country, Billy Joe and Cannon Smith, and i would love the rematch, but not getting a Canelo fight, I'd obviously love the rematch as them. Other than that, someone like Danny Jacobs, just a fight that's really going to propel me on and just keep me up in the top.